Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inside Groove. This is episode 76, and how appropriate is that that we get episode 76 just in time for Independence Day? Now, if you say, well, why is that appropriate? Well, those of you who've been around Oswego Speedway for a while know exactly why it's appropriate, because we always talk a little bit about the significance of the episode number in Oswego's history as far as Super Modifieds go. And you know who the most famous 76 in Oswego Speedway history was, as well as I do. The spirit of 76, Ronnie Wallace! Oh my gosh, that car is iconic as far as I'm concerned. That paint job is iconic. And the memories of the couple of years that he drove that car, especially in 1975 when he won the championship, what an incredible season that was. And I'm anxious to riff about it a little bit uh, later on in the show, so we'll do that. And uh, you can feel free to add your own thoughts uh, and comments on top of mine in the, uh, in the comments uh, box uh, below the, uh, the show on the Inside Groove podcast page on facebook if you wish um and uh, or in any of the groups that it's posted in that's fine too we encourage that as well want to thank our sponsors really quick jns paving rich worth and, and his group uh sean cathcart and the staff at skips fish frying lagraff's pub and of course jeff west and everyone at ipc indie uh in indie, indie performance composites um really appreciate all of them we hope that you will support them um whenever you get the chance and if you have not done so please thank them for their support of this show and super modified coverage and i want to get this in right off the top um i want to give a nod here to the job that steve quants um and the folks are doing with the new uh video that uh, they've got uh going on each week that they've started um it's uh uh, Steve and uh, old Barber Boy <laughs> uh, doing a fantastic job on on that uh, that presentation. Really enjoying that, and uh, want to thank them for putting the time into that because uh, I I know how much time it takes to do this stuff. So uh, happy to have more super modified conversation out there, and really want to thank the two of them for uh, what they're doing and adding to uh, what we try to do with this show to bring all of you fans, and, uh, and, and me too as a fan, um, more super modified content. So really excited about that, and uh, way to go, guys. Keep it up. So with that, uh, I'm going to stop this uh, opening monologue here right in its tracks because... I want to get to the conversation Camden and I had earlier. Camden Proud joined me. And uh, rather a long conversation. We covered a lot of ground. It's been a couple weeks since Cam's been on. A lot's been going on. So we covered a lot of ground. So we're going to take a break. Grab yourself a beverage. Find your favorite chair. Sit down. Relax. And listen to uh, Cam and I. Uh, and then uh, we'll talk 
Ronnie Wallace and the Spirit of 76 in our closing segment after that. So more of Inside Groove. Camden Proud joins us on the other side. Stay with us. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Hey, here's a little fish tale for you. It's about a place named Skip's Fish Fry. Skip's Fish Fry is located at 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. So don't call them on Sunday or Monday. They're gone fishing. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. They serve a variety of great fish, burgers, Hoffman hot dogs, conies, lobster, soup, salad. They even have cheesecake if you feel like some delicious dessert. I love their haddock pieces. That's one of my favorites. Uh, And they just have great food. It is the best fish in the Port City. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. It is one of the first places that I go to eat every time I'm in town. So call Skip's Fish Fry or go visit them on their website at skipsfishfry.com. And by the way, you can order online and just go pick it up. It's a great way to go ahead and take care of the not-so-fun part before you get there. And then when you get there, just pick up your food, bring it home, and enjoy. Skip's Fish Fry, 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. Welcome back to The Groove as we continue with this week's show. And uh, Camden Proud joins us now. Camden, uh, obviously, as you well know, is both a driver and a PR source for the Oswego Speedway and Super Modified Racing. Camden, there have been a couple shows since we've had you on. And unfortunately, since we've had you on, you ended up in a situation that uh, wasn't necessarily of your own doing the uh, most recent race that you had. Um, let's talk about where you're at now. You you told us all through Facebook that um, the car was a mess and you had a lot of work to do. Um, where, once you got it apart, talk about where you're at and what is your prognostication for putting the helmet back on and getting back in the fray? Well, first of all, it's good to be back on the air with you. I feel like even though I'm in the USA, we still miss too many yeah. shows together. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm happy to be on here, Tom, but um unhappy about the situation with the race car, obviously. Um, just a huge disappointment to our Lowbuck family team. And uh, unfortunately, just had a racing deal transpire in front of us and had the car nearly to a complete stop and just uh, <laughs> got piled into from behind. So um, it, it destroyed every corner of the car. If, if you can name a part, it was broken. Um, the initial reaction was we were done for the season and we tore it down and started to find some spares and um, was looking a little promising to to possibly be out sooner than we had thought and uh, that was until last week when we found the rear end was was also bent brand new rear end and we had a cracked header and checked that out and pulled the head off the motor and and then we found a a broken intake valve so the motor had to come out. Oh gosh. It's all sorts of a big mess right now. Wow. Okay. So, uh, what's the prognostication about uh, as to when we might see you back? Uh, we're going to see you back before the classic. We'll definitely be back before the classic, and 
and just as soon as we can. Um, right now, it's you know, it's it's a lot of things are an issue: money, time, and yeah, and help are, are the big three. And um, we're waiting on a lot of parts. There's a lot of parts shortages, and um, we've had a couple sponsors step up um, and and help us out, which has been huge at a time like this. And um, we're still looking for more sponsors to to help us, and, and hopefully get this back out there as quick as possible, but it's going to take some time. I think we're out for at least the next two weeks and, hmm. and maybe Mr. Super modified is a pipe dream. I don't know. I, we don't want to totally write that off just yet. Wow. It's, it's amazing. Isn't it? The shortages of parts and then the tire shortage issues, uh, you know, it's interesting how the big picture of what's going on in the country just, it affects everything, and and it's it's been crazy this year, not just for supers, but all uh, short track racing are, is experiencing the same sort of issues with tires right. and parts. Um, I mean, it's amazing, honestly, that um, you guys are able to to get you know be competing at all. It seems like with uh, all the craziness that's going on. It is, yeah, it's insane, and. The tire shortages that have been going on, as you mentioned, that really is starting to scare me. But um, I just hope we can continue to get through the rest of the season. And um, we're lucky we have a lot of spares. There's so many wrecked parts on that yeah. car. Like I said, it, it got everything. So um, I just want to thank the people that have been that have been helping us. Um, Jeff Lavery went through the front axle, our spare, and we just got that back. And Pat Strawn is fixing the rear end. And Doug Holmes fixed the issue with the motor within a few hours, and wow, and we're we're just going to keep working on this and and hopefully getting parts in as soon as possible, and and we'll put it back together. And I'd also like to thank Ontario Accessibility Solutions, Rob Finn, my my good sponsor this year, really good sponsor that stepped up, and um, a couple of anonymous fans have have also donated um, a lot of money to our race team. That's honestly. awesome, and, and that's. Um, I'm humbled beyond words about that and just appreciate everyone that's helped out. That's awesome. And if you're listening to this show and you're a fan, um, you know, whether it's Cam or it's, you know, it's another driver, these guys need your help. They need everybody's help right now this year. A lot of, uh, you know, tough sledding here, not uh, just even in the super division or big block division, but in the other divisions as well. Um, you know, if there's any way you can help and, and you identify a need, uh, you know, again, uh, it, it's all important at this point because um, this is really a, it's a tough season for everybody, and it's a tough season in our sport. It's interesting because I look around and I see really big crowds at the short tracks, at least the ones that I'm going to and the ones that I hear the most about. Um, the fans are coming out in droves, and the, the drivers are trying, but it seems like, you know, again, with the shortages of parts and, and then the tire deal and, and all of that, it just is harder to recover if something happens. And uh, this has been, um, boy, this has been a, a, a bad season at Oswego in terms of uh, broken equipment from crashes. And right. you know, we saw it the week before the Classic. We saw a little of it in the Classic, not bad. And then, um, you know, and then your your deal this this past week with uh, Jeff and, and, and the other guys, Tyler, um, you know, it's uh, – it just makes it difficult uh, when you can't run clean races, you know, and, and get through races without accidents. It's harder to, especially when you need uh, a lot of specialized parts. You can only make so many, you know, nose wings or whatever at a time, right? Right, exactly. And our car is kind of a one-off. And, yeah. And that makes it even worse. But it's just, 
it's kind of a weird mindset to drive with, and, and you don't want to drive with this mindset. That, no. Oh, if I wreck, we're in trouble financially. But not only is it financially, it's can we even get parts? And right. Thankfully, so far, it's working out better than we thought, but <laughs> we'll have to see what the next few weeks bring. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the brighter side of all of it. Yeah. Um, Otto <laughs> Sitterly, um got out of his funk that he's been in for a while, uh, and basically it seems like just uh, – I didn't get to see the first half of that race, but um, basically just seems like he dominated once he got up front – um, and, uh, you know, and, and just showed kind of what, you know, Otto has showed for the last, gosh, how many years now? Um, but it, it seemed like a, a real breakthrough for him considering the struggles that he's had to get the win. Yeah. I know Otto's been pretty frustrated trying to get this rear wing package to, to work with his car. And, um, he missed that wreck and I think was just 10 times better than the guys he had in front of him when he restarted yeah. in, in fifth there. He, Actually, I think he started way back in 15th and, and picked a yeah. few guys off, got into the top 10, and like I said, missed that accident. And then after the red flag, it just seemed like that helped him and, and hurt everybody else, and, and the car looked a lot more drivable. And um, I thought it was interesting he made all of his passes on the inside. That's not something you typically see from Otto, but every pass he made, I believe, to, to take the lead from yeah. fifth was was on the inside of the track. And um, he made it work, and um, it's always good to see the seven in victory lane. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, um, you know, had a nice run in the Isma race as well uh, at um, Seekonk. And yeah. so, you know, he's uh, he, he's had a pretty good month. Um, we we actually uh, I talked to him and uh, tried to, to get some time with him this week, but uh, too busy. So uh, hopefully maybe at some point down the road we'll catch up with him. Um, but uh, glad to see him back up front and, and back in victory lane. Uh, talk a little bit about the race aside from Otto's win. Uh, talk a little bit about the race in general that, uh, that was, cause I know we only have one, the other one, mother nature one, but talk <laughs> about uh, the first 35 and some detail. Cause obviously, unfortunately you got to see at least some of it, um, you know, from the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dave Danzer and Tim Snyder started on the front row and, um, they kind of ran away with it early on and, and Timmy, it was really nice to see him have a good run. He was pressuring for the lead for a while there, and um, I thought he may have a shot at, at Danzer on, on taking the lead, but um, when he got behind him and, and the dirty air was never really able to, to maneuver around him. But um, like I said, the red flag changed everything, and then the folks in the top five were, were sort of sitting ducks at that point. Um, I do want to point out, I think the two guys that had the best cars were the 95 and the 05, and we know what hap- happened to Abled with, with the accident. That was yeah. just a racing deal. He and Michael were, were trying to get around Snyder at the same time and battling there in the top five, and it's just too bad that that happened. And um, Schulich was, I believe, passing for second, and he had his throttle hang wide open going down the backstretch. So oh. um, weird set of circumstances, and glad he got the car slowed down because that could have been really bad. A really bad deal. Yes. Very bad. So That's um, not the place you want to throttle to stick on the backstretch. No. No. And, and you know, to, to recover from that, go in the pits and get your head about you and come back out and end up finishing third, I, <laughs> that's that's a good night after all yeah. that. So Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's driving the car and I'm sitting here talking about it. That's the difference between him and me right there is he had the ability to go to the pits not have to change his pants 
and come back out to finish third. That's, that sums it up right there. Um, you know, you got to have no fear when you're when you're doing that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, you know, and he's been fast, I feel like, all year long, pretty much. I mean, it's oh, yeah, it's yeah. honestly surprising he hasn't won several races. It is. Yeah, it, it does surprise me. And he had another one in his hip pocket last week. He really did. I think that if he got out in front, the only one that would have been able to pass as many cars as him, or I'm going to say the only two, would be the 05 and the 07. And I think they were going to finish second and third. But um, I think in the clean air, once Shulik got out in front, I don't think Gable Dorado would have had anything for him. So um, just that's a, a weird freak deal. I watched the replay, and I couldn't believe he got the car slowed down. And um, he, he had said, thank goodness there was a, a kill switch on his gas pedal where you can pull back and kill the car. Or he would have been in big trouble. Oh man. Yeah. Thank God it worked. Um, that's uh, yeah, that, like I said, there's never a good place for a stuck throttle, but the backstretch is probably about the worst. Uh, so, you know, glad to see that, uh, that, that turned out uh, the way that it did instead of the way that it could have. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Gozik, yep. another nice run. Uh, good to see Joe just racking some finishes up here. He's always the one that, he just kind of ends up in the top five and ends up in the top five. <laughs> yep. And then all of a sudden, one week, he just wins. It's like that. He has that one night every year, it seems like, where, right. you know, it's his time. And um, it'd be fun to see that again. Sure would. I was just thinking about that yesterday, actually. And nice to see him get another top five in the Classic. And yeah, um, he's kind of had a, a quiet season so far. But exactly. it's been a consistent, clean, good, solid year. And. Um, well, he's going to be a lot better when they get that hawk car out. I know that. Well, that's the the interesting thing for me too is he's doing all this in the backup car. He's not even running the new car, you know. Right. Um, and it's interesting that you know he just seems to be that that older car seems like a blanket, like Linus's blanket for him. Like he's just very <laughs> comfortable with it, and he has the ability to almost. I I mean I don't want to insult the car, but but overachieve in a way. Yes. And again, yep. I mean, he was helped last week by the crash, no doubt. Um, but uh, you know you gotta you gotta run your race and finish it to to get what you get. So um, it's just good to see that for Joe. And uh, man, it I it really there's gonna come that time right where he's gonna just decide I've had enough. Um, and man, that's gonna be a sad time. I feel like at the at the track oh. because. You know, there's it. It seems like in the super modified world, you can count on death taxes and Joe Gozik. You know, that's, that's kind of it. Yeah. You know, um, it, it just to see the double zero there with Joe driving it, um, you know, is is just sort of that thing that you can always count on. Uh, you know, on Saturday nights, even if some nights he gets there at the last minute. Um, but <laughs> yes, yeah. sorry, Joe, I just had to. Um, but no, it's it's great to see him see him running well and. Uh, you know, gosh, man, the super modified class, the big block class has just been beaten. Um, it's kind of like, you know, people say down here about, you know, Waffle House. There's a phrase that comes out of that that we use, um, you know, sometimes when you have a messy night at the track. It's kind of the, um, let's see, sp- scattered, splattered, smothered, and covered. Um, and, and I feel like the, the super modified class, the big block class, has kind of been that this year. Um, and uh, hopefully the rest of the season is much calmer and um everybody kind of gets their 
their wits about them and and uh, we can start all just getting through these feature races in one piece so that uh, when it comes time for classic number two on the year, we get the uh, field back up a little bit more uh, to where we're we're used to seeing it for a classic. Absolutely. I sure hope so. It's been a tough year for a number of reasons so far. And um, <laughs> it's still just, a, I hate to revisit it, but it's such a shame a couple of weeks ago because it really was a very good race going on up front and a good clean race. Yeah. And just a, a racing deal just turned into a pile up, unfortunately. Yeah, and, it's too bad. Um, the week before the classic, a simple spin turned into a pile up and we lost a lot of good cars. It's just, it's too bad the way it's gone, but it's just, it really has been one of these years and one of those years, I should say, and I hope it turns around soon. Well, and you know, again, it's what it shows you is how close the field is because, uh, you know, obviously, um, those pileups don't happen as easily if the cars are kind of more spread out and there's more of a difference from front to back. But with everybody running so close in speed, you get more kind of pack racing going on. And all it takes is somebody to nudge somebody or somebody gets out of shape. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, a multi-car incident. So, um, you know, like I said, hopefully it gets better from here. It's just been tough to watch because exactly. I feel yep. for you and, you know, Ryan Locke made his debut and, you know, I don't, did he even get, that felt like it was on the first lap looking back or whatever, but certainly early in the race. Um, third corner. Third yeah. corner, yeah. That's what I said. I felt like yeah. it was first lap. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, didn't even get to to finish a feature and, and so many other cars, obviously, um, along with that. Uh, have have had you know so much damage and and like I said, just harder to recover this year with the circumstances, uh, you know, being what they are with uh, the parts and all of that. So um, you know, I just pray that uh, we finish clean for the rest of the season. Okay, so um, let's let's switch gears and talk um, about the small block division. Man, um, waited for years to see Danny Kapazinski have. You know, his moment, win his first race, and what seems to be happening this year is, again, rather quietly, um, Danny Kay is becoming, perhaps, when Mike Bond doesn't come, the man to beat in the uh, small block super modified class. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Danny's definitely the man to beat right now, and um, that's not to knock anybody else in the class. There's still a lot of no, no. good, solid cars and, yeah, and drivers sure. and a lot of very good, promising rookies that have been fun to watch. So um, it's been really enjoyable, and I think they put on a great show. I was a little skeptical. I said, wow, all these rookies, I hope it's not a crash fest. And No, not at all. It hasn't been. They've, they've all raced really well together, and I've been super impressed. And um, it is very nice to see Danny finally get in victory lane and um, – First-time winner is always cool, no matter who it is. But to see his passion and emotion in victory lane, the two races he's won, that's been neat. Yeah. Oh, of course. And, you know, obviously, um, I mean, that, that his family goes like so many others, yours and so many others at the Speedway. His family's had a, a decades-long love affair with a Swiggo and Supermodified Racing. And, and so um, just great to see the success that he and that team are having. That car is a gorgeous-looking car, too. I love the uh, delivery on that car. Um, and uh, Danny's just doing a great job behind the wheel. Um, but you talked about the rookies, and, boy, um, 
Rob Bruce, Noah Ratcliffe, um, gosh, I mean, almost all of the rookies, I feel like, are really, really. And we talked about this last year. We didn't race, but we had all of those open practices for those guys to get laps, learn car control, get up to speed, and learn to be smooth with the racing line. And we speculated that that could give them a huge leg up when we started the season. And I feel like that's exactly what has happened with those guys. I sure think it has. And um, yeah, it was funny last year, all these people were saying, why are they practicing and, and what's the point? And I think the racing that has been produced this year is the reason why Yes, um, it, it worked out really well. And just shout out to all of them. They've, they've been doing great. And, Griffin Miller and, and Noah Ratcliffe had a really, really entertaining battle going in the top five last week. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they ended up getting together, and that really was bad because it was a great, clean race until that point, and um, just a, a racing deal, and they ended up both finishing outside of the top ten. But um, every rookie in that class has had a good season so far. Noah and Griffin both have a top five. Joey DeStevens, Mark Denny, they've been racking up top tens. And then Robbie Bruce goes and gets his first podium last week. So yeah. there's a story everywhere, and it's just been fun to watch. Well, and and, and uh, the, the Robbie Bruce story to me is just awesome because that group, okay, now, again, I know that some of the cars are, you know, Mike's and Carly's and some of them, but they're all a big group. Okay, that group the first couple weeks of the year had so much bad luck. And then what's happened since the classic is Mike Bruce just all of a sudden goes and wins a super modified feature in like his fourth start. Right. And then Robbie (laughs) comes out of nowhere with no previous experience in the small blocks, other than like we said, just, you know, going around last year in the test sessions and building, you know, but no previous racing experience comes out of nowhere and gets a podium. It's it. And, and here's the point here. And I'll, and I'll make this point to you and to everybody else that's listening. Okay. You can have the worst luck one week and all of a sudden the next turns right around and here you go. And so Keep the chin up, Cam, and you and the rest mm-hmm. of the folks because, yep. you, okay. But that was a great run for Robbie. And you're right, Griffin and, and Noah, um, those guys, well, I mean, we know the talent that Griffin has and we know the heritage that he comes from, um, you know, the, the Miller Racing family. But I feel like Noah has just been an amazing surprise because, um, you know, nobody really knew anything about him um, per se, and he certainly didn't have a long history in the sport to where you'd think, well, he comes in with all this experience, but he's done a really, really nice job. What are you seeing out of these guys that that um, that you feel like, I mean, because I, I feel like really almost any of those guys can can – I don't want to say necessarily. I think Griffin could win a feature, but um, you know, and and Rob and Noah are certainly in the mix. I mean, if we can mm-hmm. just get them to that next level, um, you know, they're going to be really competitive every week. For sure, yeah. I think they're already hitting that point, and yeah, um, I truly do believe that if you start any of those three in the top five, that they can win. Yeah, um, right now. Yeah, and Noah. I didn't know much about Noah either. I knew a lot more about Griffin. And, yeah. Um, I knew who he was, that he was 
Jake's son and, and Carrie Ratcliffe, who does all the parts at Jake's now. She's been wonderful to us for, for several years. And I knew that Noah and his brother Nate are very hard workers and Noah's not afraid to get his hands dirty and, and work on the car. And, and, you know, knowledge is power, especially behind the wheel. And for sure, um, I think he's really taken that and, and ran with it. And he has just impressed the heck out of me. He's really doing a great job. And, um, I like all of them. They're all really nice guys. And, uh, the rookie of the year race is tight. Two fifty nine for Noah, two forty nine for Griffin, and two forty for Robbie. And that Joey Stevens isn't far behind at two thirty six either. So, um, just really fun to watch. And man, may the may the best man win. I guess it's it's really going to be entertaining to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean that's uh, again we talked last year about how much fun this division could be to watch, and I think they've lived up to that every bit of it. And the rookies are helping to fuel that fire. Um, and, uh, and another young driver that had a great run last week, Josh Sokolik, um, yes. you know, again, this is a kid that you're just waiting. You're just waiting. Cause you know, it's coming one of these nights that kid is going to close the deal. And it isn't necessarily that he's going to do anything different. It's just, it's his time and he's going to win a feature. He's a good shoe. And yes. I enjoyed racing with him. And my last year, the small box was his rookie year. And, I knew right away that he was going to be tough, and <laughs> this is funny, kind of like a shameless plug for myself and for Josh, I guess, but we both have five second-place finishes in the FBS, and I texted him the other night. I said, Josh, you, you tied my record or something like that, and he was like, <laughs> what do you mean? And I said, well, we both have five seconds without a win, and I think that's the most out of any driver in any division at a Swiggo Speedway, which is sickening, frankly, but <laughs> I think he's going to get his this year. I, I really do, and I'll be happy for him when he does because that team is, has earned it and they got that car rolling right now. And, um, you know, I think if the, the caution doesn't come out and Danny doesn't have the shot there on the inside on the restart, that it would have been very interesting to see them race it out. Not to necessarily say Danny wouldn't have passed him, but I think it would have been exciting. Oh, absolutely. No doubt whatsoever. It just, uh, again, great to, to see the progress there and really nice people, too. And uh, so, yeah, that division, definitely fun to watch. Uh, we go to the 350 class, and, well, um, if your name was Rain, you won. Um, if, it, <laughs> if it wasn't, you went home disappointed. But um, now let's talk about this because we did have two rained out races. We had a 35 lapper for the supers that was rained out we had a uh the the 350 race was also rained out um but you have rescheduled or the track has rescheduled both of them um when are those two races being made up well it's actually pretty unique opportunity here the next two weeks for our fans because this week we're having twin 350 features um we're having the 25 lapper prior to the start of the originally scheduled program on saturday and then the 30-lapper is going to be included as part of the program. Okay. And then next week on the 10th, the 350s are off. We had SBS Twin 20s scheduled anyway, so Chuck said, why don't we put the Super Twin 35 at the end of that program? So now we're going to have double features for the Supers and the SBS next week, and I don't think that's ever happened before. That's awesome. And so this week you're adding the 350 feature, or am I? Correct. Okay. Yep, double right. 350s okay. this week and double supers and SBS next week. Wow, that's awesome. I and see, I love. I know the drivers don't always care for the for. I, I over the. I mean, over the years, like the twin 35s, 
you know, just because of, you know, split points, split purse, whatever the deal is. And, and I know the drivers don't care for them, but as a fan, I love them. Um, oh, and, me too. And, yeah. You know, at Oswego with only the three divisions, um, when you can throw in an extra feature once in a while, you just get a little more bang for your buck out of it and a little more fun. And I think it does, um, you know, make it a, a bit of a different challenge for the drivers, too. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's that's cool that that's going to be happening. Um, this week's a big deal. I mean, obviously, the Jim Champagne Memorial, um, you know, big weekend of racing. And, um, you know, fireworks afterward, I think, right? Talk a little bit there about is, the program. Yeah. Fireworks after. Yeah. Um, like I said, the 350 feature, the makeup is going to go green at 530. Okay. And we roll right into the regular program, Super's SBS 350s. And really glad that they moved the Champagne and, and Tony White Memorials to Independence Weekend. Obviously, it was classic on Memorial right. Day weekend. Yeah. So a great opportunity to still honor both Jimmy and, and Tony and, keep that tradition continuing, which is fantastic. Um, and then we're going to do fireworks after the races. So it's four features. It's, it's a good night to bring the kids out with the fireworks, extra dis- distance, 75, 35, and 30. And uh, I'm just really excited about it, not to not be in the car, but even to watch, it's, sure. it's still going to be exciting. So um, looking forward to it and always a fan favorite weekend, I think, when we have the fireworks and all that stuff going on. Now, um, I'm sure a lot of fans that listen to this that don't go to the track and aren't able to kind of keep up with the inside part of this, let's go back to the tire situation for a minute. It's a 75-lap race, um, obviously extra distance. So what currently is the tire situation in the big block class? And, um, you know, are you still uh, are you still able to have – I know generally it's been a set of new tires a week, right? So how, do, how does – how does the tire situation look going into a long distance race like this? Cause it, it seems like you're going to have to kind of manage what you got. You're going to have to. Yeah. Um, and I wish I had the email in front of me, but right now I believe and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong because of the tire shortage, you're allowed in your allotment to buy a left front. I want to say every other week. Okay. Or at the most, it's every other two weeks. We already were doing that anyway, buying it every other week. But, okay. Um, it's really not going to change too much because every team has new tires every week. You, you have to, um, or you're just going to be skating. But yeah. by the end of 75 laps, it's just a typical 75-lap super modified race. And um, we've seen Otto, the master of 75 lappers, as I like to call him, he's won this race seven times in the last uh, – there would be six times in the last decade, seven wow. times total, which is just unbelievable. But he's he's good at saving his tires and, and being there at the end of these races. And obviously tire conservation is going to play a role in, in who's up front at the end. Yeah, I certainly will. So I, I guess my, my question was, and, you, and I think you answered it, uh, You there are still enough tires coming in each week for everybody to still have their three new tires a week, and the left right. fronts are just every other week. Right. Yep. Okay. That's okay. So uh, that's great news. And 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 again, from what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like what I've heard, not just from up there, but also even in this area, about um, everybody wants to blame Hoosier, but I it seems like it's more sometimes of a logistics and transportation issue than it is actually a shortage of tire production. Is that what you're hearing too? I've heard that, and I've also heard that it's a a shortage of product and just that they're so behind from 
COVID and it's yeah. all rebounded so quickly that okay. they can't even keep up. And they also don't have workers because, you know, the whole unemployment situation. So uh, yes. um, let's pay people more yeah. to stay home. Um, <laughs> we won't go there. Yeah. This is not a politics no. show. Um, so, yeah, that's OK. So it may be a little bit of both. But my point is, is, look, don't don't jump on Hoosier because Hoosier is doing the oh, best no, Hoosier can. Because no. um, I've heard a little of that lately. And, and look, I'm. You know, people know I'm not afraid to call out what I see, but um, I don't I don't we, we don't want to be unfair about it. And, and I don't think Hoosier is, you know, doing anything different. They're doing the best they can under the circumstances. And it's really, again, sort of the big picture um, of how how something in, you know, in the country or the circumstances trickled down, yes. you know, and that's what we're seeing. And so um, the question would become, um do you see, and again, I'm just, what are you hearing of it? Do you see a situation where there may come a point where we are short of product and maybe you can't even get three new tires a week? Are you hearing anything? Because, again, we got another classic race to figure mm. out here. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood, no. I don't think that at all. Good, okay. Um, I've talked to Mike Silliman, and I've mentioned it to Johnny and Eric a couple times, and they seem to think we're good, that we're going to be okay. And, good. Um, and Hoosier, yeah, they're doing they're doing all they can, and so is every tire manufacturer, yes. and it's certainly not their fault at all. It's right. just hard to keep up in motorsports and everything else around the world right now. So it's just the, the nature of the COVID beast, I guess. Well, it, yes, like you said, and you said it perfectly, it's like a rubber band. You know, you take a rubber band and you sort of stretch it out, and then when you let it go, it snaps back in a hurry. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of things, not just motorsports, but a lot of production is sort of like we dead stopped for over a year and then we started running again and we didn't have time to walk, you know, and, and that's <laughs> yep. that that really seems like what's happened here is it, we've kind of had that rubber band effect. And um, it's what's what's even more interesting is I'm hearing there are certain companies um, that uh in the sport that that do business in the sport that are saying we are having a record year for sales and people would say well how is that possible well it's possible because for a whole year nothing happened and then all of a sudden everybody wants to go back racing again they did not buy their parts last year because they knew they couldn't race and now everybody wants their parts and you know <laughs> And you can't serve everybody at once. So the sort of flow of consistency was mm-hmm. is yep. not there. It's like everybody wants their order at once. So, you know, people people did not, and a lot of it's probably because, you know, they got laid off or whatever and didn't have the money. Um, but, but, I mean, people didn't, didn't sort of plan ahead, and then everybody wanted everything at once. And now, you know, th- th- these things, these parts or whatever – are selling as fast as they can be made. So um, it's really an interesting dynamic that's going on in our (laughs) sport. You know, I mean, we as fans are coming out to the tracks and droves. Thank God for that. Um, You know, and um, I mean, it's just crazy. But yet, we, you know, behind the scenes, it's harder for you guys to kind of do what you need to do and have what you need to have when you need it. So, um, but Mm -hmm. uh, some, so a couple of big weeks coming up, Um, go through the whole month of July for us. Just uh, psych us up a little bit here because there's some great racing coming up in July. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a big month. Obviously again, Champagne Tony White Memorials this weekend, double three fifty features fireworks. Next week is the summer championship 
and double features in both the Super Modifieds and the SBS. 350s are off, but we are going to have the Old Timers Vintage Club, and we actually just finalized the details on this the other day. But I'm, I'm working on getting more information. This is a group that Gary Monshine originally owned. He sold it, and there's going to be some old Indy Roadsters and rear engine cars and stuff, and they're actually running a feature. Oh, um, wow. Next weekend, so it's going to be cool. On the 10th? Yes, on the oh, 10th. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. So um, those of us who can't be there on the 10th can watch it on Flow because obviously mm-hmm. it'll be yep. on. Um, so if you don't have a Flow Racing subscription, first of all, what's wrong with you? It's the best deal in motorsports, honestly, um, as far as this, the, all the streaming services. My opinion, I watch a lot yeah. more of Flow than I do anything else, honestly. Oh, me too, um, yeah. You know, so um, don't just get it because of Oswego. Get it because there's a lot of other great racing on it. Um, but anyways, um, you know, that's uh, that that'll be awesome to look forward to. Um, and, and that's really something that, again, you know, there's, there's a, I feel like the, the appeal for the old days in our sport is very strong right now. Um, and, uh, which I love because I try to help fuel that fire every week, not just on this show, but all our shows. Um, and you know, when you got people like Dale Jr. that are, you know, keeping that flame burning too, with his download and talking to, you know, old NASCAR guys and whatever, but, um, you know, something like that is really a great way for the younger fans to appreciate and and learn about the history and where the super modified division came from. Because back in the early '70s, when I started going, you had a lot of those old Indy cars and ex Indy roadsters running as super modifieds. So, you right. know, yep. that's awesome. That's that's really neat. What else is coming up in July? Mister Super Modified on the seventeenth. Oh yeah, and. All three classes will be in action that night. 75 laps, 10,000 to win for the Supers as usual. Extra distance for the SBS and 350s. Then we're off for High Miler. And okay. the following week is Cane of Wings. So it's <laughs> it's a big month. Wow. Yeah, sounds like fun. And uh, glad to see the 350s uh, starting to, to grow in numbers. And uh, fun stuff going on in that class right now. And, of course, uh uh, the next voice you're going to be hearing on this very show is Rich Worth, um, who um, will be on with us next week. And um, he's going to uh, talk a lot about, uh, obviously, his involvement in the sport in general. And uh, we'll talk to him about JNS Paving, too, because he sponsors mm-hmm. the show, yep. and we should. Um, but he's a great guy um, and uh, been such a big uh, sort of um, – proponent and and propellant of the 350 division uh not just in a swiggle but beyond as well rich is great yeah i mean last night they all go out on wednesday night to see conk and um got rained out after the heat races but they're just racers and yeah and mike bruce and all of them just rich the entire group are, are great guys and Rich, we wrecked last week. The car wasn't even towed to the hauler yet, and he's already over offering parts to us. He's just a, a good guy, and he's a racer and wants to help racers. And today I'm going up at 4 o'clock to watch his son at 15 years old take his first laps in an SBS, and I remember how that felt, and I can't wait to watch Robbie Worth experience that today. Yeah, he told me that he was going to – and it didn't – in my mind last night, because I talked to him about being on this week's show, and we had an interview set up for tonight, but then 
um, he remembered that he had, you know, and he said, Robbie, the wrench. And in my mind, I'm thinking Robbie Bruce, like that's just where you <laughs> yeah. know, my aging brain doesn't. And so um, then after I had finished talking to him a while, I was thinking about and it was like, oh, wait, that's his kid. I'm like, wow, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, yep. So you'll be able to kind of bring us hopefully some pictures and and whatever of, of that and um, and let us know how that goes. And then Rich will be on the next Inside Groove next week to uh, talk to us about that and uh, and about everything else he's involved in. But, yeah, it's it's been really cool to sort of watch that team grow and expand and just, um, you know, again, they had so much bad luck to start the year, and now it seems like it's turning around. Um, but to go all the way, you know, that's – we've all been there. <laughs> you go all the way to New England or Ohio – um, and, uh, you know, you get wet and that's kind of just yep. what happens. Uh, but the support that they give to the divisions in general are just, uh, awesome. Um, okay. It well, is. before we let you go, let's talk about, uh, uh Isma a little bit and w- what's gone on there. I feel like, um, and again, not trying to disrespect anyone else, but I feel like this has been the John McKennedy benefit series lately <laughs> in the Isma <laughs> tour. I guess. Man, he's just so dominant. Um, I don't want to say nobody has anything for him because Not Sykes true. and Nocella, yeah. the last couple of races, they they really have challenged him. And, um, not the car counts they want, but truly the racing has been good. It's been good. Seekonk was a, a very good race. Yeah. I didn't watch as much of Monadnock, but I was told it was a good race. So that's good to hear that the overall product of the racing is, is still entertaining. Well, it is, and again, the car count's not where we would like them to be, but nonetheless, um, some really good racing. Um, Manadnock uh, ended up there, were, and, and I like the fact that they're doing um, some bonuses and different things to, yes. you know, to, to try and, and uh, you know, make it a little bit nicer for people. Um, and but it, But again, it just seems like this has been – that car that McKennedy's got is just, it's a, it's an amazing car. Um, you know, picked up the win at, um, at Adnock, uh, Anthony Nacella doing a great job to finish second. I love seeing Mo Wilji in the Sewell car up there. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Ordway Jr., Kyle Edwards through five, then Sitterly, Bose, Locke, Lewis, Seitz, Wood, White, and Pearly. Not often you see Chris Purley at the bottom of the finishing order. Just uh, had some problems there. Um, but, uh, again, the cars that were there, very competitive. But oh, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, gosh, McKennedy has just really been incredible. It's been it's been fun to um, fun to watch uh, that, that uh, you know, he's – uh, we've known for years that he's been a great racer, but I feel like the more he races the super modifieds, you know, the better he gets. So uh, he, um, you know, he, he Isma ran three races last year. He won them all. And <laughs> back in victory lane again for the second time this year after winning the show before that at Seekonk. So uh, right, five in a row. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 on a roll for sure. Uh and MSS running this weekend as well uh, with a with a show at Sandusky, so um, they've had a a pretty good start to the season, and looking forward to seeing what happens out there. Uh, but it's been uh, it's good to see Super Modifieds back on the track this year. Hopefully, again, like we've said, um, you know, a Swigo we can kind of have some cleaner features and. Uh, 
kind of get back to just competition without all of the uh, the, the bench sheet metal and uh, other things and um, build up to the, the second classic uh, coming up Labor Day with a nice, healthy, super modified field. I sure hope so. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, Cam, it's been fun as always. Good to have you back on the program and uh, look forward to uh, talking with you again next week. And we'll see how things went um, on July 4th weekend. Hopefully uh, dry and competitive and calm is kind of what we're looking for there. Um, the only uh, bangs I would like to hear on Saturday night uh, which should come from the uh, fireworks um, is really what we're hoping. And uh, everybody else avoids all of that and just uh, rolls yep. it into the trailer in one piece and hope to see you back on the track soon as well. So thank you. Thanks for being on. That's Camden Proud back with more of the groove after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back as we get uh, set for our final segment here of the Groove for this week. Can't get out of here without uh, talking about... The spirit of 76. How appropriate is it that uh, we go into this Independence Day looking back at a number that was on a car that looked so much and embodied so much? I mean, the car itself was kind of a gold or I guess it was gold. Um, but uh, that beautiful American flag uh, 76 sort of number uh, design that was on the car, just a beautiful race car. And uh, thank God it's been restored and uh, sitting in the museum in Weedsport, uh, New York. And by the way, everybody should go up there. If you've not been there recently, go there. It is just an awesome little museum full of uh, not just dirt track stuff, but again, uh, the last I knew, Jimmy Champagne's uh, Radical Offset was still there, the 76 still there, um, just some really, really, really pretty and, and uh, old race cars for you to look at, um, just a great way to spend uh, a part of a day, and Weedsport's a neat little town, so it's, uh, it's a nice drive from Oswego or from uh, anywhere really in the central New York area. And uh, so go there and check out um, the Northeast uh, Northeast Hall of Fame and Museum in Weedsport. Uh, just a, a great place. Um, wow. So Ron Wallace. Man, where do I even start? Um, Ronnie had been racing for a good while prior to getting the opportunity to drive what became the spirit of 76. 
For those of you not familiar with his story, I don't know exactly what year he started racing, but it was in the, uh, I think, the early 60s. And just drove numbers and numbers of cars. <laughs> drove for a lot of people. Um, gosh, drove for Marty Cresetti, drove the Deuce, Little Deuce, for a little while. Um, drove, uh, gosh, I, I can't even... I can't name all the cars in the 60s. I wasn't going yet. In fact, I wasn't born until 67. Um, drove for Dick Dummikin for, for a year or two. Um, oh, gosh. There was a 26 car. I don't remember who owned it. Uh, I want to say something Smith, maybe. Uh, gosh, I don't remember. Uh, but uh, Warren Knowles, I think, was was the car owner now that I think of it. And I think Ronnie drove for him for a little bit. Drove for Steve Joy, I think, senior for 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 a bit, uh, perhaps. Um, but then uh, when I started going to the track it was 1973, and Ronnie had taken over the most prestigious and well-known super modified seat at the Fast Five Eighths of a Mile. He was driving the ten pins for Nolan Swift, and he had. Uh, I think he'd run a race or two at the end of 72 because Swifty retired again uh, for the second time after uh, the Classic in 1972. And I think Ronnie was the the, the only driver that uh, – he was the driver that get, got into the car right after that. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he won a race or two perhaps at Fulton or uh, another track somewhere. And then – uh, start of the season in 73. And so I've always, I have spent my entire life trying to figure out what the first night um, that I went to the track in 73 would have been. I was only five, so obviously I don't remember exactly what the date was. But I do remember that Jimmy Champagne won. So that means it could have been one of several. <laughs> and... Um, I think Ronnie finished second that night, but I'm not sure. I don't quite remember. Um, but I remember Jimmy winning. And so I became a Champagne fan. And then um, everybody said, always asks me, why did you become a Warren Conium fan too? What was it about Warren that kind of put him up there with Jimmy for you? And it was because Warren was one of the first drivers I remember when I used to go to the pits to get autographs on my program. Warren was one of the first drivers I remember just going out of his way to talk to me, not just take my program and pen and sign, but actually talk to me. And so, and I loved the Red 04. I was just totally taken by that car. Um, and and continued to be taken by all of the Solvay automotive cars. They were just gorgeous cars, always well-maintained, always fast, just really nice cars. So that was kind of the, the, the part about Warren, but Ronnie was driving for Swift and he, I mean, again, I, as a young kid, you, you, you don't really know the backstory on anything. You're just watching from the grandstand. So you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And even though I w would read the program every week and understand most of the words um, <laughs> at five, because um, I was always a little ahead when it came to reading, which I'm thankful for, um, you know, I just always, it always seemed like Ronnie would get so close, but he just couldn't, just couldn't make it happen. Just, just didn't, just never did, never was able to get that win. And um, then 
no one decided to come out of retirement because um, I think that, as I understand it, he just felt like if he was in the car, he could get he could get better feedback from himself in terms of how to make the car go better than he could from another driver. When they had another driver in the car, he just um, it, it just seems like. They couldn't quite figure out, you know, the other driver would give feedback and they could it just what they weren't able to 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 make the car as fast as they thought it should be. So Swift got back in it and Ronnie went over to the flying five and um, he, he did OK. Um, not great, but he did OK. And then in 1974, I remember that he started the season, I think, in the Shamrock 13 for Roy Murphy. And, you know, I yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know whether any other way to say this. That car just never went too fast, um, at least as I remember it as a kid. Um, I don't know if it was the Ford Motor or what, what the secret was. Beautiful race car. I remember the crew having, I think they were all white like uniform just i mean it was immaculate when i first started going in 73 i believe that ronnie madison was driving the car or maybe it was jim muldoon i can't remember but um ronnie wallace started the season or i think he actually i don't think he actually raced the first couple weeks if i remember right but i think that was his first ride of 74 and and he just seemed to struggle in that car. And, you know, I remember even as young as I was thinking, you know, I feel kind of bad for him because it just seems like the car's not going good for whatever reason. Right. And, and, um, so I was, you know, thinking that, um, like to see him get a better ride. My dad knew him, uh, you know, somehow. Uh, and so, um, you know, I just kind of followed him and he went to, the Steve Miller 16. And then he started running better. Um, and as Steve Miller later told me on an earlier episode of the groove, um, you know, they didn't have a big motor. He couldn't afford a big enough motor. So, you know, Ronnie, the car would handle really well. And so Ronnie would finish, you know, just outside the top five at number of top tens, just, you know, did a good job with it. And, um, he gave us a clue in a the program. They asked, what are your plans for the 75 season? And Ronnie said, retire. And at the time, I remember thinking, as young as I was, that I kind of knew what retirement meant, but I didn't really. <laughs> but um, so I remember, I think I asked my mother or my dad, and uh, they explained it. So, um, and, and so, uh, you know, I was surprised that he was going to retire. And I kind of thought, well, that's too bad. You know, he, he kind of went out was going out on a, uh, you know, not a great note. Well, sometime over the winter, uh, Dick Rayner and Roscoe Town, who had bought the um, Schofield 66 back uh, at the beginning of the 74 season, and they painted it yellow and put a 29 on it, put Mark Letcher in it. Um, and Mark had a nice season, as I remember, in that car. It was a beautiful yellow car. I love the color. And Mark had that nice, uh, I don't know if it was an orange or a light red um, helmet. Just um, really cool. Had some good runs in it. And 
over the winter, apparently um, either Dick or Roscoe, I'm not sure who it was, but one of them uh, called Ronnie a number of times and asked him to drive, and Ronnie kind of demurred and then eventually agreed to uh, go to Thompson in the spring with it and try it out. And uh, I think he finished sixth or seventh and thought, well, this could be a fun car to drive and maybe a championship effort. So uh, out of retirement, Ronnie came. And that season, um, you know, I've I've lost. I I have to go back and read through the programs uh, now because I've started to lose detail in my brain. But um, I remember, I think we had eight or nine. No, I think it was more like 11 different winners that year. Um, Freddie Graves won twice because he won once with a four-wheel drive, I think, and once with his own car. Dow McLaren, Warren Conium, Jimmy Champagne, Kempton Dates, Jim Gray, Steve Joya. Um, I know I'm forgetting one or two. Uh, Gary Albritton won his first. Uh, I, John Logan won a feature, I think, beat out John Spencer. In what I think that might have been the Grand Prix 100. I'm not sure. Um, no, actually, I think uh, I think I think Ronnie or Jimmy won the Grand Prix that year. I think they battled together, and I can't remember which one came out on top. It might have been Ronnie, uh, but Ronnie ended up winning his first feature that year too. He was there were a number of first time winners. I just named several, uh, most of whom in that group I named were, were won their first ever Oswego feature. Don McLaren won one late in that year at the end of the season, but uh, he had won a couple times with the Flying Five. So I just remember that Ronnie and Jimmy, that was one of the most torrid championship battles that I think has ever taken place at the Speedway. Those two drivers were back and forth all year long. And because there were so many different feature winners, um, none of neither of them really pulled away. So it went right down to the wire. And Ronnie ended up winning. And just a magnificent, I mean, I think I mentioned Kempton Dates in that group earlier. Kempton won, uh, was one of the winners, I think, in 75, won his first feature as well. Um But I just remember that Ronnie and Jimmy were the show that year. Oh, my gosh. In in a season that was as competitive as any season in Speedway history with a deeper roster uh, of of winning drivers who could win each and every week at at the track. I mean, yes, you had your guys that were kind of the, you know, the uh, I, I hate using the phrase field filler because I feel like that in a way is insulting. Because the guys who are, you would call field fillers, um, you know, all work just as hard as the guys running for, for first and second. Um, but you had you had some of those. But, boy, did you have a deep top in a deep middle of the field. Um, it was incredible that year. Just incredible. Um, 76 wasn't quite as many winners. Uh, and Ronnie... You know, after he won the championship in 75, in the early part of 76, for whatever reason, they just struggled. They just struggled. Um, he would lead races and fall out of the lead, just tire issues or whatever. They Something was off with the car. Um, just uh, 
it was just one of those years. I think he won once or twice. Didn't have a terrible season. By most people's standards, it would have been a good year. But after winning the championship, uh, obviously, I'm sure they were disappointed. They they started the season in 77. Um, and I just saw in a program, is the only reason that I remember this, because I had forgotten it. And I read the other day in a program, I saw the picture again. They had a. They used to run early season shows at Fulton, and they had uh, a couple of spring shows that year in '77. Nolan Swift won his very last feature event in one of those shows at Fulton. It was a hundred lap race. Um, couldn't believe it. Remember seeing it uh, in the, in the paper the next day, and was just stunned and so happy to see that Nolan had won a race with that uh, last car that he built. Uh, car ran really good with a wing, not as good without it. They figured out a few things later in the year that year, and, um, you know, he made it a top-10 car, but um, it had another great Swifty drive in the Classic. But Ronnie started the year with a 76, but they had this big, wide tail on it in this sort of um, – Gosh, Grand Prix-style front end, Formula One almost-ish, sports car-ish. I don't even know how to describe it. It was the craziest-looking thing you've ever seen, and I wanted to see that car at a Swiggo for myself, and the Swiggo banned it for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Too wide or something. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, and uh, that was a harbinger of things to come for Ronnie and that team because they – after they decided that it wasn't legal for a Swiggo, um, I don't know if they even started the year at a Swiggo. They, I think uh, that's when Roscoe uh, and, and Dick Rayner sold the team to Richie Evans. And I remember Richie turned around, I think it was maybe a year later, or maybe it was the same year, I'm not sure, and sold the Gremlin Modified that they had that was also a gold spirit of 76, was the old Jimmy Champagne Coupe. Um sold that to Bentley Warren uh, and uh, Bentley ran it a while. But, um, and then later that year for the classic, they brought out a brand new car that was sort of the answer to Jimmy's offset. And um, that ended up getting banned too. They made the classic and I think they were allowed to run another race after that at the end of the season. And, um, and as I recall, I think that there was an accident that that car was kind of, in the middle of, uh, and I don't know, they just didn't think it was safe or whatever. The, the, the driver sat sort of way off to the left outside of the frame rail or whatever. I, I don't know all the details, but, uh, again, <laughs> you know, the band police were, uh, <laughs> were in full force that year around, uh, the 76 team for some reason. So, um, that was kind of the end of that. And, uh, I don't know. I think they might've just cut the car up. Uh, not sure if they sold it or not, but that was also too bad. Cause again, I really wanted to see how that car ran and, um, would run with more time. But I just remember that those years were perhaps the, if you could sort of look at a year and call it the magic year, the one year where everything was in place and, I mean, there have been other great seasons with other great rivalries and other great battles down to the wire for the championship and, and, and all that. Uh, but, boy, 1975 was just motorsports gold. 
and uh, at the Oswego Speedway and, you know, in 76. Um, so that that's sort of a, a long uh, conversation there about uh, the number 76. After that, it, it just to kind of close that loop and finish the story, that car, actually, Richie put his uh, orange paint in uh, 61 on it and ran it a couple of times, once or twice, uh, once at Star, and I think maybe one other time. I'm not sure. Um, and then Ronnie and I think someone else kind of partnered up in 1979, I think, and bought it back. And I remember one of the – I think Ronnie ran it one week as the 61, which was really weird to see that. And then put a, a just a gorgeous, and I think Rick Nelson did this, um, beautiful paint job on that car. Gorgeous paint job on that car uh, that season. Just kind of green and white, and I think there was some black in it, and just a beautiful, beautiful paint job on the car. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Ronnie ran it, and then they built... I don't know if it was 1980 or 81. They built, uh, they had a couple of show cars, and boy, poor Ronnie. Um, he just had the worst luck. Something would break. He'd be leading the race, something would break, and he'd pile the thing into the wall. Um, destroyed a couple of show cars. Uh, brought back that car, the, 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 old, uh, the old Spirit of 76, in 81 or 82 for the Classic, and I don't think he qualified. Um, I think he ran the Herm Graf C15 in 1981. And uh, and then I think that might have been it, actually, for him. He retired. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Ronnie Madison, who had driven, they had bought that, that little group, Ronnie Wallace and, uh, gosh, I don't remember the other gentleman's name, Um that was involved, I think, in, in some of this, too. Um, I think Jim Groves kind of got involved in the mix, but I don't think he was – there was another guy, and I think his name might have been Ron or Rob or something, um, that uh, was – was they were kind of a, a, a like a, a group or a team um, that all put in, I think, uh, to make all this happen. Uh, they, they bought Swift's last car – from um, Gapsky, or uh, I think maybe Jim Groves just, you know, took it to Ronnie. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how it all was officially, but Ronnie uh, Madison drove it one year in the Classic and did fairly well with it, qualified it in the top 10, had a pretty nice run with it. And then I think Ronnie Madison actually got into the old spirit of 76, um, brought it on mothballs. And tried to make a classic with it, as I remember, I, I think. Uh, and I think he might have been the last one to actually drive it in competition. And then they they restored it to its original uh, Spirit of 76 livery. And that's where it sits today. But um, I think Ronnie and Ronnie. Now, I, I, I think uh, over the years, I think Steve Miller had two cars at one point. Might have had... Um, a backup had the backup numbered 76 for a race or two for a Swiggo or Isma at the track. Um, I don't know if there's been any other 76s since then. Um, I'm sure somebody will remind me of one and I'll go, oh, crap, I should have thought of that, but that's usually how it works. But uh, that's why I do this. 
but that's just one of those numbers that to me, there are some numbers that you can say belong to a number of people. That number, the number 76, belongs to Ronnie Wallace. And it is for Ronnie that we do this show, and we remember him fondly. He was a gentleman and a true racer. He could drive anything. Pavement, dirt, modified, super, didn't matter. Ronnie could drive it. And um, just one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to talk to. Um, And, uh, you know, just really thankful that I got to see the best part of Ronnie's career, um, both in the supers and the modifieds, really, although a he didn't uh, have great finishes in the mods when I, you know, from the time I started going, he finished, um, I think, third in a modified 271 uh, or 72, somewhere in there. Uh, I think it was Jim Champagne, Jeff Bodine, and Ronnie, uh, something like that. And um, might have been 1970 or 72. I don't remember, but uh, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't going yet. Uh, but, but Ronnie definitely made some noise in the modifieds with uh, the stump jumper. 48 car uh, that Wayne Edwards later started driving. And then, uh, but before that, he had that uh, Gremlin Spirit of 76 car. Um, bought it from, let's see if I can remember this right. I think they bought it from Jimmy in 74 uh, or early 75, I guess. Maybe it would have been. Uh, decided they wanted to go modified racing, so they bought that car and changed it over to their, you know, gold 76 colors. Um and in the modified 200, uh, I think it was 75, he made a pit stop. And I don't remember, gosh, uh, oil fire maybe, brake fire, oil on the brake drums, something along those lines. But the car caught fire on the pit stop. And I just remember Ronnie kind of hanging out of it, and they had to pull him out. Um, that was scary to watch. But um, they made a gremlin out of it after that and uh, ran it for a couple more years. And Bentley had some pretty good runs in it. Uh, at the end of its uh, racing life, and uh, especially at Pocono. Car ran really well on the big track at Pocono. It was a little heavy for the short tracks by the time Bentley had it. But, um, yeah, So I, and then Ronnie, uh, I think late 70s, um, was driving the stump jumper. At the time, it wasn't quite as fast as it, it became. I think it was an older car. I uh, can't remember what kind of body on it it had, but... Um, uh, you know, he had some okay runs with it. Um, and then, uh, like I said, Wayne Edwards took it over later and I think they had a new car, uh, and, and, uh, for Wayne and, and, and the team got better, but, um, Ronnie was never shy about running both, uh, divisions when they had the double headers. And so, um, you know, that was fun when the guys used to do that. Uh, Ronnie did it. Jimmy did it. Mark Letcher did it. Um, Wow. I mean, there were a number of guys in the 70s that did um, and uh, would cross over. Bobby Stelter drove Richie Evans' backup car one time, I think. Of course, Maynard Troyer uh, a couple times in the Super. Greg Sachs. Um, I think that was early 80s, though, for Greg um, in the Martell car. But, yeah, there were a number of guys that would do that. And then the Jimmy Winks, Chuck Siprich, uh, two other ones. Um Gosh, I think Kenny Andrews had a modified for a bit in the earlier 70s. Um, trying to think who else. There were there were a few. Blake Carnahan had the, drove the C15 in the early 70s and had uh, 
what was his modified 20 or double zero? I think it was double zero. Um, making my brain work tonight. Uh, but that, those were fun, fun times. And then of course you had your guys that would run pavement and dirt too. Um, and, uh, that was also a good time, but, uh, just remembering Ronnie with this show and, uh, that beautiful spirit of 76 car, that's just one of those iconic cars to me, paint jobs that, uh, meant so much to Oswego Speedway history in a season that to me was one of Oswego's all time best. So hope you enjoyed that little trip down memory lane there. And, uh, Hope all of you enjoy the 4th of July race uh, at Oswego coming up here this weekend. Hope the weather's good. Uh, pray that uh, all of the super modifieds get through the race in one piece. Uh, as Cam and I talked about, just, uh, man, just have crashed way too much equipment. It's, it's just tough. Um, hate seeing that. Keeps car counts down. And um, it's hard now to get replacement parts and Man, so let's hope for a, a safe and successful night of racing for all divisions at Oswego. Those of you at the MSS show at Sandusky, good luck to you as well, and be safe. Everybody be safe over the 4th of July weekend. Um, take some time to be thankful for our independence and our freedom. Um, and uh, as always, thank God for all the blessings. So, uh that's going to do it for another edition of the Inside Groove for this week. Hope you enjoyed the hour or so, and um, we'll have uh, Rich Worth next week. That should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to having some conversation with Rich about a number of different topics. So uh, uh, that should be good. And I know that uh, his young son, Robbie the Wrench, as I record this show, is at uh, the Oswego Speedway testing and he was down to about 20.8 seconds, the last that uh, I knew about. So um, just so, 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 so excited um, about uh, what young Robbie is doing at 14 years old already. And I know that Rich has got to be a super proud dad right now. So I hope the rest of the session went well, rolled the car in the trailer in one piece, and uh, look forward to having Rich on the show, um, you know, next week to uh, talk about uh, his obsession with uh, <laughs> Oswego and Supers, uh, which is, uh, I love it because it matches mine. So uh, very grateful to Rich for his support of the show and uh, his support of uh, Oswego and Super Modified Racing. That's it. I'm done. Thanks again to our sponsors, Jeff West, IPC Indy, Rich Worth, JNS Paving, and Sean Cathcart, uh, Skips Fish Fry, and LeGroff's Pub. And again, please share this show. Please help us get it out. Again, not so I can get famous, but so that uh, Super Modified Racing can get famous and uh, we can get as many people tuned to this content as possible. And again, um, uh, go uh, go share. My my brain is completely dead. I, I need to start writing things down before I tape these, but Steve Quantz and, uh, and uh, of course, uh, Dwayne Kells have uh, just a, a super, 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 um, you know, nice little video production uh, deal that they're doing on a weekly basis and uh, love seeing that. So, um, you know, great to have more content. And um, so go uh, go spread, spread the love and uh, share their, their stuff as well. So, Thanks to all of you for uh, tuning in. Have a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. And we'll talk to you on episode 77 again. Guess who we're dedicating that to uh, of the Inside Groove next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. So long.
You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove.